Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and on today's episode we're going to be discussing the 1974 American horror classic, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by Toby Hooper and starring Marilyn Burns, Paul Partain, and Edwin Neal. Uh, this movie follows a group of young adults who fall victim to a family of cannibals while taking a road trip through Texas. And um, this one's obviously a classic. Brian, had you seen this before? I had seen it before. Had you? Damn, I don't think so, man. I think... Oh, uh, I know, right? I think I saw... There's a remake that has that girl from 7th Heaven on it, right? Jessica Biel, yeah. Yeah. That, okay, that, yeah, I think that was the version I saw. I never saw this uh, original one. Is this is this one you saw like a long time ago? I probably saw it in my early twenties. Okay, yeah, it's. I I would have been worried if you'd seen it like any younger. I feel like it's kind of a disturbing film. It's a disturbing film, that's for sure. I mean, it's often up there in the lists of scariest horror movies of all time. And scary, scary just barely touches on what this movie is. Yeah. That's true. There, there are like those few films, like uh, I, would, I would put this in like the class of like maybe a Clockwork Orange, um, that one about like the random strangers that show up and like start messing around with people. I think it was a German film or something. But it's, mm, it's funny it's games. Ca- yeah, funny games. Right. It, it's kind of like borderline that, or it's just like humanity at its worst and just seeing really uh, crazy stuff happen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's. Uh, I remember the first time I saw it. It really. It made me feel like I needed to take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's so weird because I, I kind of thought that going into it, but I thought it would be that way um, from like a gore aspect. Like it would be just like really gross and a lot of blood, but there's barely any blood in this film. Yeah. And I think that's a big, um, a big topic of discussion or, or touchstone in like horror discussions that this is a movie that in a lot of people's minds is really gory and gross, but in reality mm-hmm. there isn't that much shown on screen. But yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's a little debatable because there's like bones everywhere and skin and yeah, it's gorier than when you like go back and take a mental toll of all the, uh, or mental tally of everything. It is a little gory, but it's, it's not as gory as you, th- as it, uh, maybe the memory of it is in your mind, kind of like the impression it leaves is mm-hmm. grosser than, than what you actually see. I do think that's true. That's true. Yeah. Some of the imagery definitely sticks with you. I guess when yeah. I think gore, I always think about like torture porn and like just, uh, you know, really vivid or explicit scenes of skin being cut and like blood pulling out and stuff. Uh, but I, I don't think, I don't think you have much of that in this one. Yeah. I don't know. It's, you do see some skin being cut. Sure. Yeah. You're talking about the the pocket knife? Yeah. 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 That's kind of like the one. Gross and one thing. of those scenes is supposed to be real. Wow. Really? One of the knife scenes? Yeah. When he uh, cuts her finger at the end. Oh, for right. For grandpa. Mm-hmm. Supposedly they ran out of fake blood or the fake blood wasn't working and they got frustrated or something. And, uh, and I think it was the dude... I guess it's, I can't remember if it was the dude that played Leatherface in that scene who did it or what, but he just cut <laughs> Marilyn Burns' finger. Just went for it. Went for the real thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's like the really fascinating part about the background of this movie. So much of it feels like very DIY, like they're on a low budget, they're in this like in Texas and like really hot, like 100 plus degree temperatures. And um, just like, yeah, a lot of the bones and things you see are actually real bones. A lot of the decomposing animals are real uh, animals that they had to go around and find. And right. uh, yeah, and they were like sweating through these clothes that they couldn't wash for like a month, which is mind boggling that uh, people worked in these conditions. Yeah, man, it's... I feel like in general, and I know this was the 70s and this was a low-budget movie, but films and, like, the film industry just seems, like, exempt from all other, like, working condition laws and everything like that. Like, what people go through on the sets of movies should be illegal. I think you're right, yeah. And and, uh, it kind of reminds me of, like, I think it was Friday the 13th, one of those, where um, they had, like, an actress in there and they're, like, nude parts, and then later it came out that she was under 18, right? Right, Friday the 13th, part two. Right, yeah. So I, I think you're right. In the 70s, 80s, like, and maybe even today, they're, they're just getting rid of, uh, away with like the craziest stuff in these movies. Yep, indeed. Dude, but yeah, like what you're saying and like the grittiness, there's probably nothing shown on film that isn't covered in sweat or dirt or blood. Like, yeah. If they reach for a rag, it's a dirty rag. If you yeah. see a house in the distance that's a fallen apart dirty house if you yeah. see a shot of an interior wall it's falling apart and there's shit smeared all over it like yeah it's a gross it really does make you feel like you want to take a shower yeah do you think a lot of that was purposeful uh, or just like them being really cheap and like is that how they achieved this level of authenticity right that's a good question i don't know maybe a little bit of both yeah but yeah, either way, it definitely kind of translates through the film because like it feels really real in terms of what you're watching. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it, I, I think what, what is this like considered like the scariest movie or the top horror film of all time? It is considered one of the scariest. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure you could find lists with it at the top, maybe. But mm-hmm. I think this is widely regarded as one of the more intense or disturbing horror films of all time. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's funny because we recently watched The Exorcist, which I can't remember now. Was that 1973? But mm-hmm. we were talking about, I think maybe we talked about, I can't even remember because I haven't even heard that episode yet, how it, some of the shockiness and extremeness, like it still held up a little bit, but it wasn't quite as disturbing yeah. as it probably was back then. But this holds up to me. Yeah, yeah. And I I think it is because uh, so much of it is so real and it's not relying on like any jump scares or any type of, um, you know, production value. It's it's mostly just everything just feels really real and that that, like is timeless, I think. Yeah. Aspect. Yeah, I agree. It's got, it's almost got like a mean spiritedness to it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This like random mean spirit that just you can't really put your finger on. Yeah. Uh, No, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty freaky and disturbing. And um, this director, Toby Hooper, so he's the same guy that did Poltergeist? Yep. That's Very crazy. Very different feels, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, and that might be part of the reason why I think a lot of people think Poltergeist was kind of Steven uh, Spielberg. Yeah. Basically, Toby Hooper was like a puppet for Steven Spielberg. That, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I don't see any of like Toby in the in Poltergeist. Like, you can't compare these films at all, can you? No, they're light years apart. Yeah, yeah. Although uh, you could say they both maybe have a theme of the falling apart of the American dream. Hmm, that's that's deep. Um, I don't know. 
<laughs> we'll, maybe we'll touch on that later. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to hear, to hear that theory. That's, that's a good one. I don't think I have a, it's probably a half-cocked theory. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. There is a lot of, uh, like, I, I think the inspiration of this film was showing, like, the isolationism and uh, just the fall of our society in a big way. And, and so, yeah, maybe you're right. That's, like, an overlapping theme between both films. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I haven't seen a... Uh... There's another Toby Hooper movie called The Fun House I really want to see, but I haven't seen that. But aside from those two films, I'm not sure if I've seen anything else of his. Did you ever see Salem's Lot, the television show? I never saw it. Oh, okay, I didn't see it. That was, that was based off of Stephen King, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and then there's one called Night Terrors or something, which sounded familiar, but I've never seen that either. I've never seen that either. Yeah. Holes uh, to fill, my friend. Future yeah. episodes. I know, yeah, we'll, we'll be worth checking out. Maybe maybe those two will have more in common with uh, this one than Poltergeist did. Yeah, I wonder. I kind of feel, part of me feels like they kind of captured lightning in a bottle, so to speak, with this one. Like, yeah. you can't Just, get that back, you can't repeat it. That's true, that's true. Yeah, this would be really hard to replicate, even though they, I guess there are like seven or eight more movies of this. Have, have you seen any of the other ones in the franchise? I have not, but I'm really curious to see the second film after we saw clips of it in the 2019 Child's Play movie. Oh yeah, right. Remember that? Yeah, that was a uh, that I didn't realize that was Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two, and that it was, and it just looks bonkers. Yeah, right. That, that's where uh, the new Chucky gets his inspiration from, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, maybe we should check that out on, the, on our next uh, sequel, September next year. Mm-hmm. Add this one to the list. Can sure. you believe that this guy uh, was trying to get this movie a PG rating? <laughs> that is ridiculous. I read that and was like, is that real? <laughs> Did know. he hope for a PG rating because he wasn't showing much on screen? I mean, there, as I said, there's more on screen than I think. I don't know. There's yeah. blood. There's... They show meat cooking that's meant to be human meat or insinuated as human meat. Mm-hmm. Um, and just some of the stuff they show, even if they don't show the gore of it, like somebody being hung on a meat hook, there's no way you're getting a PG-13 rating. Or yeah. a PG rating, that is. Yeah. There wasn't PG-13 yet. I th- yeah, I feel like they took it very literally and uh, were like, well, you know, there's too much blood and, and maybe like, you know, there's no nudity and I'm not even sure if there's any swearing in it. And they're like, well, it should be PG then. Um Wait, but but it actually ended up getting an X rating, I guess, and then they had to pull back for it to be an R movie. Right, and it was banned in a bunch of countries. Yeah, yeah. Do the you know spirit what... of this movie is is something mm-hmm. awful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. Um, well, do, I mean, like, is, is it because like how real and how like menacing it is? Yeah, it's just so real, menacing. It feels like you're watching like a snuff film or something. It just oh, feels like yeah. you're seeing something you shouldn't be seeing. Yeah, that's a really good way of describing it. Um, and, and I think because it doesn't feel produced at all and, like, uh, it doesn't feel, like, glamorized so much, it's almost normalized, like, the violence you see happening. Right, and, right. And it's just so real, so gritty. Yeah. Um, did you read anything into the source of inspiration, this uh, butcher of, or the butcher of Plainfield? No, I didn't. Go go on. Oh, there's this uh, serial killer back in the day. Though he only killed two people, and his name was Ed Gein. He was okay. The yeah, I did hear. It. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that was his nickname. Yeah, so some guy up in uh, Plainfield, Wisconsin, I guess. He he inspired this film. He also inspired Psycho and Sounds of the Lambs. Uh, so I was kind of shocked when I looked him up, and he's only killed two people. And that's I don't know. 
as far as serial killers go, I'm surprised like someone like that has inspired three of like these classic horror films. I think um, so. My favorite podcast, Stuff You Should Know, did an episode on him a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I think there were other people he may have killed that he wasn't convicted for. Uh, okay. Um, and when they went into his house, I think it was a pretty gory scene. Yeah. And I think that's probably where some of the inspiration for for the uh, house in this film and and what it looked like on the inside came from. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think he was like a grave robber and stuff and would go around collecting parts. So yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he killed a bunch of more people and those were only yeah. two on record. Yeah, uh, he definitely gorily, gorily decorated his house. Yeah, that's kind of like that guy, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, right, in in Ohio? Yep. Is that, is, is, are you bringing him up later? I'm not, but oh. you can. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's the only other like kind of cannibal I can uh, think of at the moment. But I feel like he had way more than two kills. He, was, he, he was did. Yeah. Um. So yeah, pretty interesting that, that the guy's a killer. Um. And then uh, I guess like this was pretty low budget for the time, 140,000. It made about 30 million. So pretty successful film overall, I would imagine, and obviously a legacy. For sure, and that's 150 million in 2018 dollars. Which is that a lot for a film today? Yeah, it is okay. It's not like Avengers money, but it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I guess I'm trying to remember. Uh, it's it's I think is like one of the biggest ones recently, and maybe that was like around 200 or 250 million so far. Yeah, so, and I think it 2017 was like 700 million or something crazy like that. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, def- definitely a, a money maker. Yep. 12th highest grossing film released that year, wow. 1974. Yeah, that's pretty good. Did you recognize any of the actors in this? No, and I think they were mostly just kind of not big names. I mean, they were doing this on the cheap, so. Mm-hmm. And even if you look at their filmographies, I don't think many of them went on to do much other stuff. Yeah, I didn't recognize any of the other work. Yeah. Um, any other interesting facts about this movie? Um, the only other interesting facts I have is that there is an Ohio, Texas, and a Texas, Ohio. <laughs> there's a fun. city of Texas and Ohio? Yeah. Oh, Very nice. small, like, little unincorporated things that are, like, two or three blocks. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's cool. And there, this is kind of also about the meatpacking industry, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. Yeah. And Cincinnati was once the largest pork-producing city in the world with the nickname Porkopolis. Porkopolis. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Just pigs all over the place. That was like the mid-1800s. And then uh, another little fun fact I found was that there was a February 2018 headline in Akron that said, two arrested in chainsaw fight in Akron home. Oh, my God. It was just like the shooting of Mandy or something. It, yeah, basically. It was just like a fist fight in a house, and it said one of the guys got knocked down and fell and landed right next to a chainsaw that was in the living room. So it was like, oh my God, let's do this. And so then it was chainsaw on chainsaw? Just chainsaw on, on, on arms. Fist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, have you ever used a chainsaw? I never have. Have you? I haven't either. I feel like we're missing out on a life experience. Yeah, I always thought as a kid that Jason had a chains wielded yeah. a chainsaw. Yeah, does and he maybe not? he does at one point in one of the sequels. I'm only I've only seen maybe like the first three or four. Yeah, 
I think it was just because there was a haunted hayride near me and they would chase you with a chainsaw and had, they had a Jason mask on when they would do it. Yeah, I think that's like a classic character you see at haunted houses, like this guy with a hockey mask running around with a chainsaw. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Are they just like mixing it up and combining two movies? It might just be because the leather face mask might be too expensive. Yeah, yeah. Because like the, I think with the Jason mask, they can get away with not paying licensing fees because it's just a hockey oh, mask. yeah, right, right. So it's not like you can't trademark a hockey mask. That's true. That's so it might true. just be cheaper to buy the, the Jason mask. Yeah. And how I thought the chainsaw worked was that if you didn't have a chain on it, then it wasn't dangerous. Yeah. Is that not true? I think it is. I meant to look up how one works, but uh, (laughs) yeah, anybody who knows a lot about horror and has operated a chainsaw is probably rolling their eyes at us. But (laughs) Yeah, I know. No, yeah, that's my assumption too. You could just take the chain off and suddenly it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty useless. Right, because I mean, these guys who would chase the like hayride when I was a kid, they'd come pretty close with the chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you'd be like, oh, okay, well, fine. Maybe they don't have the chains on there. I feel like I remember my dad saying the chain was off of it. (laughs) Maybe that's just like a a folklore, like parents tell their kids to feel (laughs) safer. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They can't hear you. There's no chain on there. Uh, well, pretty cool stuff. Seems uh, like the, the saw would be the part I would like to be missing of the chainsaw yeah. <laughs> compound word. Yeah, the motor is gone, but they they just have the chainsaw part. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that'd be a pretty cool weapon. You just got the chains. <laughs> just <laughs> manually cranking it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ouch, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- yeah, but I, I think I, I, I gotta look that up because I, I do kind of feel like there was a Jason film where he has a chainsaw and, uh, yeah, that, I think that'd pay tribute directly to this one. He might, he might pick up a chainsaw at one point. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Let's we'll look that up. Well, cool. cool Any, yeah. Anything else before we dive into the plot in our review? That's it. All right. Well, uh, before we talk about, uh, the plot, uh, I need to take a quick break. I, I think the dog just went out the door and I got to go see where uh, it went. So I'll be right back. Okay, man. All right, Brian, I'm back. Yeah, everything okay? Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't find uh, where our dog went, so I just uh, started going inside the neighbors' houses. Uh, I, but I, but every time I'd go, I'd just yell hello a million times, and then I'd walk in, which I think in this country doesn't count as trespassing. Where if you yell <laughs> hello like five times, it sounds like that's legal, right? I mean, in rural Texas nowadays, I wouldn't just walk into somebody's house. <laughs> in the seventies, even more so. Yeah, even more so. <laughs> Yeah, that that's one thing that I, f- I found really offensive about this movie, and I almost wondered if the victims or, or if the uh, the antagonists in this one were actually those kids who were just walking around rural Texas into people's houses, yelling right. hello, and then uh, just making themselves at home. That's something only white people would do. Yeah, I know. White entitled uh, old teenagers <laughs> <laughs> just kind of feel like they can walk into people's houses and yeah. yep, yeah, that's a big PSA. Uh, I mean, anytime, you know, this is weird. We used to kind of live in a more rural area here in North Carolina. And I am not a gun person or a gun owner, 
but some part of me was like, nobody's ever going to break into our house because this is the type of area where you just don't want to walk onto anybody's property without yeah. assuming that they're going to like come out with a shotgun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's like the first time it goes through my mind when I'm like driving through like a remote town or something. Like, you know, everyone's got a gun here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and did, didn't you, one of your neighbors have like a wolf? Oh my God. Yeah. That wolf. <laughs> yeah. These are the boonies, man. You, you don't, you don't want to go house. Uh, yeah. Just dropping by and walking into people's yeah, houses. Exactly. Yeah. You'll get uh, shot by a wolf. Yeah, I know. A wolf with a shotgun. Yeah, some crazy stuff going on in rural America. So that's why we stick to the cities. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, so diving into the plot here, uh, the movie kicks off um, with this text saying that, you know, the, the following is true, a true story about these kids that died. And um, I think it's kind of similar to when you watch a found footage film today, uh, what it looks like. But it's funny because you have a voice reading over it. Um, did, did you get like a vintage vibe from this? A what vibe? Like, like kind of vintage. a vintage. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But like old newsreel footage. And yeah, that's interesting that you bring up found footage because this movie as a whole has a little bit of the spirit of a found footage film. Just oh, yeah. the feeling that it's actually happening, even though it's not shot like a found footage film would be. Yeah. Especially like those scenes where it's like she's running in the dark through the woods. You kind of have that feeling here being like following her right behind her. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, and I, I wonder if this was like one of the earliest uh, movies that took that approach of like saying this stuff was real. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there are a few early examples. Cannibal Holocaust did that, but I think that, hmm, that was probably right around this time. I'm not sure when that was. Oh, okay. That might have been 1980. I can't remember. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the Blair Witch brought it back in the 90s. Yep. Yeah. Like I think even in Cannibal Holocaust, the guy, the director had the actors signed something that said they like wouldn't appear in public for a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's commitment. To increase the illusion that they really had died. Yeah, yeah. Fake news. Wild. That could just be kind of an old wives tale, but <laughs> Yeah, it works from a PR perspective. It's good. Yeah. Um so then we see uh some weird like mangled body parts. Uh there's just like random scenes of them. And then uh, in the background, there's this radio broadcast going on talking about all these terrible acts of violence that are going around the country, one of which being that this graveyard was robbed and all these bodies were kind of, you know, either, either have gone missing or have been like put into these weird forums. And we see a shot of uh, one of these bodies that's been put together at the graveyard, just like a really slow shot on that while this uh, newscaster is describing all these other uh, crimes happening across the country. And uh, I thought this was really effective. It felt like really real, especially some of the stories they were saying about like murders happening around the country. Um, and then like kind of artistic and just that shot of that uh, mangled corpse. Uh, what, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was pretty effective. And right away I was kind of thinking, is this some sort of commentary about how horrible the news is and how brutal it is? And yeah, I think it turns out that, yeah, that was something Toby Hooper had in mind when he was making this. Yeah, for and sure. I, I think it was kind of at a time period where America was losing its innocence. Like mm -hmm. news footage from Vietnam was coming back of horrible atrocities and Watergate had happened and yeah, shit was just getting real. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and I think he expressed like some stuff about uh, this was a time where um, maybe like some of the news you couldn't believe that you were hearing or like some of it was like the news trying to cover things up. And right. I, I think he was trying to uh, pay tribute to what was going on or comment. Yeah, on. I think he maybe said like you were people were losing faith in the the fact of 
somebody being in charge and like having anyone's best interest in mind was becoming more and more of a fallacy in people's minds. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's so cool to see a horror film kind of open with that uh, commentary. Yeah. Pretty effective. And, and if, and, and I think, you know, when you're talking about this movie still holding up and feeling relevant today, like, I mean, like that's, that's kind of like the, how we feel about the press and everything today too, I think. Yep. Send some stuff. Um, so there's a group of five teenagers, uh, five of them. The important ones are Sally and her brother, Franklin. They're going to this graveyard to check on their grandfather's remains. Um, do you know, do we ever find out if their grandfather's grave was messed with or not? I think they determined that everything was fine with their grandfather's grave. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess their it would Their grandfather's grave. That makes sense. I guess otherwise I would have been, yeah, probably a topic of conversation. A plot point, yeah. Yeah. So then these yeah, uh, five... Yeah, there were grave robberies, so they were making sure everything was cool. Yeah, got it. Uh, so then the five of them decide to go see their grandfather's old place and on the way, they pick up this random hitchhiker who turns out to be this really creepy, weird guy, and he's got a knife on him, and he's talking a lot about uh, head cheese and how animals are slaughtered in, um, in, in, those, uh, in, in farms, in slaughterhouses, I guess. And um, it's kind of like a really long, like, descriptive scene where he's talking about how these animals are killed. And then uh, he cuts his hand in front of them purposefully, and th- this is one of, like, the goriest scenes, I guess, right? Yeah, maybe one of the more bloody scenes or vivid, vivid violence. Yeah, I guess vivid violence, right? Um, but then uh, he turns violent and ends up cutting uh, Franklin, um, and then eventually the the group throws him out of the van, and they're just kind of you know scarred by like, well, what, what just happened? This guy got in and you know kind of attacked us. Um, he he was a pretty scary and creepy dude. I can, I, I couldn't believe they let him into the car. Yeah, he was unnerving, and that was one of my beefs with the movie. He was almost, like, over the top to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, uh, mm-hmm. it's fine. By the end of the movie, I was cool with it. Yeah, by the end, like, things get so crazy that he kind of seems in place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, at this point, it, it just catches you off guard. Um. So then uh, the they uh, – shoot, where was I? Oh, okay. Yeah, so then the gang stops by this gas station – where the owner tells him that uh, he doesn't have any gas yet, uh, it's gonna come in a few hours. So they decide to go check out the old family house while they're waiting. Um, so once they go to the family house, two of them wander into the backyard looking for a pool, and they notice a generator running at this neighbor's house that's kind of a, you know, like a, a few yards away from uh, where they were. And so they go looking into this house, they uh, walk up into their property, they're like hanging out on the swing set, they're knocking on the door, they yell hello five times, and then the guy thinks it's okay just to kind of walk in. And so uh, he walks into this house, and this huge masked guy, which is Leatherface, just kind of shows up and, like, snags him and, like, knocks him out. And this whole introduction of Leatherface, like, it, it, what was cool about it was so, like, kind of how anticlimactic it was. He just kind of walks in and just, like, beats this guy up. Uh, did, did, did you find that, like, unique for how they did this? Yeah, because it was... He came out of nowhere, but it wasn't quite a jump scare either. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He just, like, randomly, like, strolls on the screen and, and knocks the guy out. Yeah, it was just, like, so utilitarian, like, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're on my property now. I'm killing you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, that like, tone kind of goes throughout. Like, you, there, there isn't, like, any kind of um, buildup around this. He just kind of, like, shows up and, and kills people. So Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like this movie means business. 
Yeah, exactly. And even like at this point now, we're probably like 30, 40 minutes in at when like this comes out of nowhere, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's been kind of slow. But then in like the matter of the next five minutes, uh, his girlfriend, you know, notices that he's not uh, around anymore. So she walks in, she gets uh, similarly, she, she falls into this room that's covered in animal parts. And then she gets grabbed by Leatherface. He takes her into the basement, throws her onto this meat hook while he butchers the boyfriend with a, with a ch- chainsaw. And then uh, a third guy Dude, heads over. Can I pause for a second? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. When he puts her on that meat hook, like yeah. into her back, he's like, she's hanging from this hook that's in her back. Yep. And she's like grabbing behind her at it, like flailing frantically, trying to see if there's some way she could pull herself off. Yeah. That is so real to me and so disturbing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that. That the look on her face and just like yeah, that desperation to try to get off that, that that was pretty hard to watch. And that even though I'm gonna like I'm kind of arguing like hey, there's more gore in this movie than you might think. Mm-hmm. That is a scene where there is no gore, but the the image in your mind and the way you feel is just absolute disgust. Yeah, yeah. So it would be easy to go back in your memory and call that a gory scene. Emotional and psychological gore, maybe. There you go. That's uh yeah this this is pretty traumatizing to watch, yeah uh yeah and he just kind of throws her up onto it and yeah it's pretty pretty bad, um and it, you know it's a, it kind of reminds me of that movie um we saw with the other clown uh what was that one Terrifier Terrifier yeah where that one was like explicit gore and you know similar kind of s- scenarios where he's like tearing someone apart or like putting them on a hook or something, um. But it's interesting that, like, in this one, they don't show that level of gore, but it still hits you almost in, like, in a, in a more powerful way. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar spirits, those movies. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, again, in, in a matter of minutes, the, the the third guy, kind of, he's wondering where everyone went, so he walks over into that house, and he just gets clobbered by Leatherface with a hammer. Um, and it's kind of crazy, because I, I feel like three characters just get killed, like, within a span of 10 minutes or so. And we're yep. down to the last two. And the characters really barely matter in this movie. Yeah. And they're idiots because they just like kind of waltz into this house too. Yeah. So, yeah. They kind of had it coming to them. Um, yeah. But you're right. There's there's like no character development really. All we know is that Sally and Franklin, the two remaining characters, their sister and brother. And there's some scenes of like them kind of conversing with each other. But it doesn't really go in too far into depth on, on who they are or anything. Um so now Sally and Franklin, they go, you know, it's getting dark. So now they go towards the house looking for everyone else. And on the walk, they get attacked by Leatherface in the woods. He kills Franklin right away. And then for like the next 20 or 30 minutes, we have this chase where he's just running after Sally through the woods, down the street, through the house, uh, and then through some woods again. And it's just kind of uh, this yeah long chase that's going on and uh, nonstop. Um, and, uh, finally Sally ends up at this gas station where they were at before and she's begging the owner to save her and he pretends like he will, but then he ends up putting a burlap sack on her and dragging her back to that house where the hitchhiker and Leatherface have shown up. So now she's kind of like their prisoner. Uh, what, what did you think of the whole like chasing that went on? He, I thought the chase scene was good, and then to have it be relieved by her getting to this gas station only to find out that this guy's kind of in on it or a bad guy and not only that but he's like really taking joy and fucking with her yeah like he has her tied up or in some sort of sack or something in the front seat 
And the shot while they're driving back to this house is all on him, and you hear her, like, struggling next to him. Yeah. And you just see him, like, shoving her, like, pushing her down, like, just messing with her as she screams and just smirking as he does it. And yeah. it's just so awful. Yeah, that acting is crazy because he's, yeah, he's kind of, like, happy with himself and he's kind of, like, hitting her with something uh, on the head or something. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, it's just a really goofy scene where, yeah, she's, she's like, a prisoner and being tortured in this thing and he's just, like, having a ball with it. It is surprisingly good acting because this dude, like, nails it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then her screams, like, just what she went through to be in this movie, the amount of time she sent, spent screaming. Yeah. And in utter desperation. I know. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I know. It's like the whole second half of the movie is just like Sally screaming. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's quite, quite a performance. So, uh, yeah, they, they're all back at the house now. Uh, so you have Leatherface, you have the hitchhiker, you have the dad, and Sally's there tied up. And uh, they bring down uh, this grandfather that uh, you had seen earlier in the film when Sally had to run through the house and, and you thought was dead. But uh, apparently, uh, w- when they cut Sally's finger, which I think before you were saying they actually cut it in, in for the film, uh, the grandfather kind of sucks the blood. So I guess the grandfather is alive in a way. Is he right? is, but kind of he just seems kind of out of it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, God, that scene where they have him suck the blood off her finger, and he's like, mm, mm, yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah, those those really bad. <laughs> pretty, it's like pretty a disturbing. baby nursing. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, I, I guess, I guess these guys are cannibals and they're going to kill Sally now. And they said, Oh, let's, let's let our grandfather do it. You know, he, who's the best at it. So he's, but he's so weak. So they're putting the hammer in his hand and trying to move his hand so that he can hit Sally on the head and she's screaming and they're kind of like having a fun time, like trying to get the grandfather to like hold this hammer and hit her on the head. Um, somehow she like is able to break free and she jumps out the window, starts running out. Uh, the hitchhiker and Leatherface chase after her. Uh, they run into the road, and the hitchhiker gets hit by this passing semi-truck. Uh, the driver gets out, and um, Leatherface comes after them, so now they both are being chased by Leatherface. And the driver of the truck throws a wrench at Leatherface, which uh, makes Leatherface kind of slip, and he ends up cutting himself with a chainsaw, which, I mean, that, that was bound to happen, right? You're not, everyone knows you're not supposed to run with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, uh, so then... Uh, Sally, yeah, so, so I guess then a, a driver comes by and Sally jumps into a car and like makes us escape and the movie ends on this like crazy artistic scene of just like Leatherface just wildly swinging uh, the chainsaw, uh, which I think has become like an iconic scene, right? Yeah, it really has. Both, both of the shots, like him wildly swinging the chainsaw in the air and then her driving away in the back of this pickup truck, like kind of semi-fetal position, just... Yeah crying laughing that covered in blood hey isn't there a movie like with the same ending where someone then like throws the chainsaw and ends up killing that person does that sound familiar to you at all hmm like you think they got away the guy with the chainsaw is like in the back kind of dancing or whatever and then he just like launches the chainsaw at them and it ends up like cutting them up oh man that sounds so familiar that that's kind of what i thought would happen here because i feel like i've seen that somewhere uh, oh, it was in a movie we watched not too long ago. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, a movie. With, oh, no, never mind. Oh, okay. Um, I don't want to spoil the movie, but I watched a movie without you. Oh, um, man. And I, I, that Something like that happened. Okay, okay. 
uh yeah and, and this being my first time seeing this i i, I was really surprised that sally got away in like the last minute or two i, I thought she was gonna be a, a gunner but yeah she made it yeah crazy um yeah I, and i guess that's the whole like final girl thing right like she gets away right yeah and this movie is credited with starting or at least proliferating some of the tropes of the slasher genre yeah sure final girl like a big hulking silent killer in Leatherface mm-hmm. using tools as weapons. And this came out before Halloween, I think, right? Yep. Halloween came out four years later in yeah. 1978. Yeah, I can see that on the big hulking side that they might have gotten the inspiration from this. Yeah. Um, dude, but to go back to that scene where they have the grandpa try to kill her with the mallet or whatever, yeah. the hammer, hammer. They're holding her head over this big rusty bucket, mm-hmm. which just makes it so much more real. And he just keeps trying and trying and missing and missing. And she's screaming bloody murder the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That was another scene that just stuck out to me. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it was like real torture happening. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, this, this is a hard film to watch. And yeah, I hear you. Like, you feel pretty gross and disgusted at the end. Um, but it's kind of a happy ending in a way, which was surprising. Yeah. I mean, at least Sally got away. Yeah. I mean, if you ignore the other ones, uh, yeah, I guess. And, and she comes up in the sequels, right? Uh, that's a good question. I want to say she's in the second one, but I'm not sure. I didn't look into the sequels too much. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, just see, yeah, I think I looked at her, uh, IMDb and stuff and I think she's definitely in a few, maybe one or two other, uh, of the series. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, overall, what do, you, what do you think worked and what didn't work? Um, this, I mean, it's effective. It's one of the most horrifying movies I've ever seen. For sure. And even yeah. though I was, I'm saying, arguing a little bit throughout this time, like, hey, it, may, it might be gorier than you think, the disgust to gore ratio is high. Mm-hmm. So, like... Yeah, you feel like it's gorier than it really is. And the only other movies that have, like, really repulsed me like this featured really graphic stuff. Like, yeah. the movie Japanese movie Audition has somebody eating their own barf. Like, mm-hmm. that's how I felt watching this movie, but it was not... There wasn't anything that graphic or hard to watch. Yeah, which is kind that of... that scene. Like, it's yeah. just kind of the whole... The whole mood, the whole idea of what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, and that that like that amazes me that they're able to accomplish that level of disgust and that level of um, you know that imagery of like the goriness without like explicitly showing it. I, I think that's like an art on its own. Yeah, yeah, and um, like you said earlier, there, there's some artisticness to this movie. Shot like kind of bare bones with 140,000, where like everything's dirty and sweaty. There are some shots that really stand out. Yeah, especially that last scene. Yeah, yeah, that last scene. Yeah, right. Um, did, did, did you notice there was like barely any music in this? And most of the time you're just kind of hearing like sounds of metal kind of scraping together. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I thought that was like a, a really cool choice. Uh, cause I, I think that it pulls away from like the fact of it feeling so unreal or like, like you're watching a movie. It just kind of made it feel like more like real life maybe. Right. I think that combined with the narration at the beginning, it, like mm-hmm. we said, it kind of feels like a found footage film before that existed. Yep. Did the lack of character development bother you? Yeah, I mean, 
and it's hard on these rewatches because I knew that going into it. I think that keeps me from absolutely loving this movie. Mm-hmm. There's no character development, and Sally is the final girl, but she really wasn't even that much of a character until everybody else died. Yeah, right. Yeah, she's and even kinda... then, she's not that much of a character. She's just a <laughs> screaming victim. But yeah, I don't even know if she she's has... a convincing screaming victim. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think she has any lines like after uh, into the second half of the movie, but I guess there's a part where she's yelling to the gas station owner that, um, you know, that someone's after her. Right. Yeah, but it's true. Her lines are minimal. Yep. Yep. Um, Yeah, man, what do you think? Yeah, I got to agree with you. This is super disturbing, hard to watch, but I I thought super effective, uh, really scary. And I I think it's a a feat that they were able to do this without diving into like the traditional gore um, or, yeah, a lot of showing a lot of blood or getting very gross about the whole thing. So the fact that they're able to uh, get under your skin and just show like this raw uh, story of like people being like really terrible to each other. um, Yeah, I, I thought that was really effective in this in this production. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah well what do you think like how many uh girls impaled on meat hooks would you give this one i give this four girls impaled on meat hooks and you're i don't know if i like this movie but (laughs) i respect the hell out of it yeah yeah it's it's hard not to respect for sure um yeah yeah, i'm up there with you i'd probably give it a four and a half uh nice yeah I, i think it's definitely worthy of its uh classic acclaim that it has it's pretty good. Yeah, man. When I like, uh, it was in my early twenties that I started having this horror renaissance in my life and started going back and watching some of what I knew were classics that I hadn't seen. Yeah. Uh, I was doing that on Netflix and I'm pretty sure I gave this two stars on Netflix <laughs> back then. And yeah. I'm, now I'm like, yeah, that I get why I did that, but I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe watching more films from that era kind of makes you appreciate more of the uh, authenticity elements that they had in this. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, and I've learned to respect movies even when I don't like them. And sure. I, I do, it's hard. I don't, I can't even, I don't even know if I like this movie. Maybe I do, maybe I don't, but <laughs> I won't watch it again for quite a few years, I'm sure. But Yeah, yeah, it's not one to yeah. watch and repeat. Um, but yeah, like I said, respect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Are you going to watch the remakes or anything? Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to watch the sequels and the remake for sure. Yeah, I kind of want to watch that Jessica Biel one again. I just because I like her as an actress. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to watch a Jessica Biel anything? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, me. dude, that book I read, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, mm-hmm. by Carol Clover. Yeah. One of the movies she cites a lot in her examples is Texas Chainsaw Two. Oh, okay which I can't speak to really because I haven't seen it. But one thing she talks about in the book is the city versus country that we see in a lot of movies mm-hmm. and a lot of horror movies. And we didn't really discuss like the subgenres on this one. It's kind of a slasher, but this is also kind of like this hillbilly horror subgenre. Oh, yeah. Kind of like a like deliverance. Like have eyes and like Rob Zombie stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah. Is it, is it like a deliverance, one of those? Yeah, deliverance for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that concept is interesting to me, and I think she expands on that in the book a little bit about how that idea of the other has changed over time. Mm-hmm. Um, she even talks about it, like going back to westerns, like Native Americans were the other. Like, who are we going to make the enemy? Sure. And as people moved more into cities, and just culture became more metropolitan, country was the other. It was unknown, yeah. so it was scary. So we got all these 
wow hillbilly horror films around this time period yeah wow that's fascinating that's that's really interesting I could totally see that coming back now, just like with the political divide in this country and how we kind of group ourselves into the, even if you're not located there, yeah, you kind of we kind of group these mindsets that we have now into like the coastal elite and like totally. the flyover states or the heart of America or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And that, that aligns, uh, I feel like, really strongly with what like the movie Us was about, which is kind of this idea of like yourself versus the other people. And I, I thought that was kind of the feeling that he was going for, that theme that... It's like you versus this group that isn't you. Right, right. Um, yeah, no, that, that that's interesting. And, and you're right, like, I'm surprised. Uh, are you seeing, Are you, do you feel like that's already coming up in newer movies? I'm uh, not sure if I'm seeing that, really. Yeah. But, I, I mean, Three from Hell just recently came out. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of those movies all the way through, partially because I don't like this subgenre, but now that I've gone back and appreciated Texas Chainsaw. I I want to tackle some of those other ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't Cabin Fever kind of have an element of that, or even like sure. the Evil Dead? Yeah, uh, Evil Dead, not really, but Cabin Fever a little bit. Okay, with like the townies, the the local town people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Evil Dead doesn't really feature townies. Oh uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, yeah, no, that's really interesting, John. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, but it, it is pretty effective because it, it is like kind of resonating with people who live in certain areas and demonizing those that live in other areas. Class warfare, right. maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there always is like the other, like the enemy or the antagonist or whatever in a movie it kind of feels like lately the past decade or so it's been supernatural, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see how things evolve. Yeah, exactly. Make it real. Cool. Well, anything uh, else to add on this one? No, that's all I got. All right. Uh, great. Well, that's all for our discussion on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If you enjoyed our episode, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we very much appreciate it. If you want to join the discussion, find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also now have a Discord server where we're chatting away with a few listeners and fellow horror fans, so you can find the link to that on our website. Our logo is by AVMA Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. And, Ooh, and I'll chime in with the Patreon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, we're on Patreon, too. Patreon.com slash Horror Movie Club if you want to support us financially, and you can get access to some bonus content. As of recording this, I've got an episode, a solo rant out there about the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and maybe by the time you hear this, I'll, I'll put something else out there, too. Yeah, definitely recommend checking that out. Um, and until next time, if you uh, find yourself stranded on the side of a road in the rural area, uh, maybe just call an Uber instead of go knocking the door to the door.